You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hola, como está? What's up, everybody? I'm Aslan Hunchavani, director of digital media for Warchant.com, but who cares about me? There's the guy. It's a Sunday smash with Irish O'Fell, managing editor of Warchant.com, the ultimate seminal sports source. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's in the lower right corner of your screen. And also, what do they say, Iris? Uh, I know it's a smash, but was it spike and like? Hit the thumbs up button, kids. That's what we like. Spike and like that. Yeah, that works. Uh, Yeah, man, like and subscribe our videos. You know what we do. That's right. That's right. Iris here, Sunday Smash here for the next hour. Joining us at the bottom of the hour will be Michael Langston to talk about recruiting. He and Austin Cox are having a very, very busy weekend because Mike Norvell stays winning. Uh, prospects from the class of 2023 just all over the map coming to Florida State and Tallahassee this weekend. We'll see uh, where Florida State stands with a lot of these important recruits. Obviously taking your questions here on YouTube uh, and just kind of summarizing the week that was here, Ira. I know uh, – Late last week, Fabian Lovett announced his return to Florida State, something that I think maybe at some point a lot of us, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, thought that maybe wasn't going to happen. It seemed like he had sort of positioned himself physically, maybe even mentally, uh, to to leave at the conclusion of the season, but he's coming back. Uh, So I guess let's start right there. But we also have basketball, so we'll get to that one as well. We'll keep it quick with Fabian. Just how big of a deal is it? I know Mike Norvell hasn't gotten a portal guy to commit in the last 72 hours. How dare he? Um, But Fabian coming back, that's a huge deal, I would assume. Yeah, everybody's jonesing right now for uh, more more portal news. But, yeah, um, Fabian is a big deal. And I think we started kind of getting the sense he was going to stay over the last few weeks. But if you had asked me at the end of the regular season, I thought there was a good chance that – I thought there was a really good chance he would leave. And also I thought there was a decent chance uh, Jamie Robinson would leave. Both of them come back. Even Robert Cooper, you wondered, is he going to want to come back for – I think this is his fifth year. Is this uh, Big Coop's yeah. fifth year of college? And it's not that he couldn't improve his stock or, or play better or any of those guys, um, but you you just felt like sometimes guys have been in college for a long time. They just want to move on. They're ready to go try something new so and try to start making some money. Uh, but Florida State gets them, both those guys back, all three of those guys back, and um, you know just positions them really well in terms of adding pieces around them instead of having to replace, replace them as well. So, yeah, that was – that was big news for Florida State last week, and it's been a continuation of really good news, I think, uh, since signing day. It's been one good thing after another for that football program. Yeah. Uh, let's put a bookmark there. We'll come back to football here in a minute. But 
Watch out, but Florida State right now, what four and two, I think, in conference play, Ira three game winning streak. They would they would have a double bye if it started right now, the ACC tournament. So uh 76-71 win over Syracuse this past weekend. Just how impressed are you with my with Florida State, Leonard Hamilton, what they've been able to do here uh for their last five wins, but uh, to string together some some pretty solid wins in the uh, conference slate. Yeah, you know, I mean, I thought a few weeks ago, I, you know, I was with everybody else wondering, okay, maybe this is the year that the streak of NCAA tournament appearances stops. I mean, they were one and two in the conference, had lot not looked really good. Then they had the COVID break, um, which didn't seem to be helping them um, in terms of their preparation. So many new faces. And uh, these last three games have been real impressive. And, you know, it's funny, you know, we I was talking to somebody in the program when they won the first game uh, of this three, when they beat Louisville, I was talking to somebody in the program and they said, you know, we're going to be there in the end. You know, when we get to, you know, when this is in late February, we're going to March, and the, this conference seating is, is playing itself out, we're going to be right there. And I kind of, you know, was like, okay, cool, that sounds good. Um, but now, you know, like you said, right now they're in the top four. Uh, they went from being one of the bottom teams in the conference to the top four, and it's really wide open. I mean, Duke appears to be the class of the league. They're top ten in the country. Coming to Tallahassee on Tuesday um, – but the league is pretty wide open, and uh, you know, Florida State's going to be right there, I really think. I mean, you, you, you look at the way that these guys have come on, especially the young guys, and now the older guys are starting to settle down. Wyatt Wilkes is starting to shoot it better. Anthony Polite has found different ways to kind of chip in. Uh, he's been rebounding really well, uh, you know, looking for not, – not forcing shots, but, but hitting some open shots. Um, I mean, you know, Raquan Evans, these last two games have been two of the best games he's played. Uh, so if those guys come along, and along with you know the development of you know Naheem uh, McLeod and some of those younger guys, it's really uh, they've got a chance to do some things. But you know, obviously, a huge step up in competition Tuesday when Duke comes to town. Nine p.m. Do we like that? Get get them get them late. Get the uh, get the students all lathered up for that one, right? It should be a great crowd. I mean, that's that's just you know, and again, that's what makes Florida State basketball is so much more fun to cover now you know, because the crowds have been so good, especially the students. You know, I really feel like if they, I don't know, man, how, if they put, if they made 6,000 student tickets available, would they sell out? I mean, it's, that group is passionate. They come early. They're loud. Uh, I mean, it's really cool because again, man, like when I first started covering Florida State in the early 2000s, you know, and early in Leonard Hamilton's tenure, you know, man, the, the Knoll Zone was not, I mean, you remember, you were a, a student here. The Knoll Zone was not a big force. Uh, they were basically begging kids uh, to come, uh, the students to come to the games. And now, man, it is a that is a huge section. They're loud. Um, I, you know, a weeknight game. Some of those pockets on the sides are not going to be full because those people, a lot of those people, don't live in Tallahassee. Um, so that's unfortunate. They got to figure out. I still think they got to figure out something for there. But yeah, it should be a great crowd. And I think, uh, you know, Flores, if the if the team can give the the players something to cheer for, I think the fans something to cheer for. I think the fans will be really good. The only you know, unfortunate part of it is Malik Osborne wasn't available at Syracuse with that ankle injury. Uh, Leonard Hamilton was not real com- uh, confident that he'd be available Tuesday against Duke. So that would be a big loss if he can't play. Iris, my first time on the smash. I, I appreciate being able to join you guys. I know people are always here for you, man. I don't know what you, what do you, what's the, what's the decorum here? What do you guys do when people throw large sums of American currency at you? Do you guys play music or do we just show, do we just, just show appreciation with, with, kind words i think the host has to spin around and dance a little bit but no uh man it's a little bit more low-key than wake up war we don't have the sound effects we don't have the horns 
Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's just, uh, thanks a lot, James B. I really appreciate it. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll answer James B's question. James is asking if I think Florida state is on pace for a true rebuild, uh, with football and will we get back to respectable? You know, I mean, we can discuss this. Uh, I, I think they are, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still that patchwork phase of a rebuild though. They're still doing through transfers. They're still doing it through, um, you know, some shortcuts, not the traditional way in terms of, um, you know, building up with a class that comes through uh, for three or four or five years. But I, you know, I think, I think, I think he's doing the right things. I, I like what Mike Norvell is doing. Um, it would have been better to hit on some of those five stars uh, on signing day. Um, but I think what he's done is the portal and the portal is really smart. I think the staff is getting a little bit better. Um, you know, is the, some of the changes they made this off season and they're adding to the staff. I mean, that's something we've written about somewhat and uh, we'll continue to write about, but they're expanding their staff, both in recruiting and in off, uh, off field analyst roles, things like that. So that's a positive. So everything really, I think is trending in the right direction for football. I'm not, you're going to try to pin me down on the 10 win thing, Aslan. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready to go there yet, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, things are definitely tr- trending in the right direction. When, that- when, when will we get back? He said, will we get back to respectful? Yeah. I mean, I think that's coming. I think that's, I think that could come this year. I mean, I don't, I mean, they were close to it last year, especially the last six, seven games. You didn't get blown out. You almost beat Clemson on the road. You almost beat Florida on the road. Uh, you beat Miami at home. If you if you if you start winning those games more consistently, you, you're respectable. Now they still have a ways to go to get to that next level. I guess this kind of speaks to the point of, of the rebuild and believing in it. You know, I, I I like Lane Kiffin. He's a guy that you know was was available in, in numerous hiring cycles for Florida State. I think you know Ole Miss was kind of waiting to see where Mike Norvell was going to go, and they when Mike Norvell came to Florida State, they went after Lane Kiffin and. I saw some foes with him, with uh, Jackson Dart, the quarterback from South, from Southern Cal, as well as Michael Trigg, the, the tight end there. And I'm like, you know, that'd be kind of fun if you're an Ole Miss fan, if you can add a new quarterback and a new tight end. Like, you're you're transforming your program when you add a quarterback. I mean, period. And then you, you bring in a, a talented pass catcher. Like, is Florida State at the point now where we've seen enough from Jordan Travis that you don't need to transform? I mean, I know you went five and seven, so you do need to do a lot of things to, to make this program get back to where it's accustomed to being, Ira, but is it is it making Alex Atkins your offensive coordinator? Maybe dangling out a co-offensive coordinator to somebody else out there and and trying to maybe just kind of do some minor tweaks. Does that show that that the rebuild is on the right path because they're not sort of lurching and trying to make transformative changes? Well, I mean, I think you you look at the this offense last year and when Jordan when Jordan was healthy, the two things that really held the offense back in certain situations certainly that Clemson game, I would argue the Florida game. Uh, was you know the offensive line could not block good defensive fronts, and if you look at the the wide receiver position, they those guys couldn't get open, couldn't make good plays against good defense, good secondaries. So you've upgraded the offensive line. You you have everybody back, plus you all the main pieces back, plus you bring back um, you know you bring in two college transfers. At least one of them you could you expect to start. Uh, Caden, like um, guy from Wisconsin, Kate Kate yeah, Lyles. Kate, yeah, from Wisconsin. Uh, so you expect him to come in and start. So the offensive line should be better. You bring in four transfer wide receivers. That group's going to be better. Um, so that from that standpoint, I think you look at it like Jordan Travis is good enough with those pieces as he continues to grow with those improved pieces around him to to be a team that can win more more games than they don't. Now, if I, I would say the one thing I would say is this: if 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 Mike Norvell thought this was a team 
that other than quarterback could win 11 or 12 games. You just needed a dynamic quarterback. Then maybe he goes out and tries to get, you know, this marquee quarterback and, and, and basically blow up what you've done with Jordan Travis. Cause I think that's what you would be doing. If you went out and got the top, one of the top transfer quarterbacks in the country, the, the idea that Jordan Travis is just going to hang out and work through it the way they, this happened this past season. And it didn't go that smoothly this past season, probably pretty slim. So I think, you know, is this a team? What's the ceiling of this team? I think it's probably about 10 wins. And can Jordan Travis get you there with all those pieces? Yeah, I think he can. If you make a change at quarterback, I don't know necessarily this is going to be a team that wins 11 or 12 games anyway. That's my theory. Yeah. Um, I mean, for sure, it's just one of those kind of interesting things to kind of see all this all this kind of develop offseason-wise and them adding all these players. I mean, will we? is it going to be something that we're going to have to talk about at some point, though, when you mentioned that if you did bring in a marquee quarterback, you're probably going to create some sort of friction with with Jordan has has Jordan earned like to be the the pretty the presumptive starting quarterback? Uh, has there been enough sort of data? Has there been enough production from him? Do you think that um, that mean because do we need to have competition at all positions? Like nobody's job should be safe. I mean, you went five and seven, but is there nuance there? Because without him, I mean, you're you're not five and seven. You're you're two and ten probably. Yeah, and I don't know if I'd look at it like, okay, he's done enough to prove it and he you know, there he's beyond reproach. I don't think it's a matter like that, but I think there becomes a risk versus reward. I think looking back, if we could give Mike Norvell some truth serum and if he could if we could say go back to last December, if he knew how it was going to play out, would he still bring in Mackenzie Milton? I don't know because that was a lot Jordan did not handle that well. Uh, I think McKenzie helped Jordan in certain areas, but I don't think Jordan liked the idea. I mean, who would? I mean, that you were in that stadium. Well, I, you may not, you might not have been there for the, for the. You weren't in there for the whole game necessarily, um, but I mean, the the fans cheered every time McKenzie Milton's name was mentioned, and they did not cheer when Jordan necessarily the same way when Jordan Travis was mentioned. So in that Jacksonville State game when they introduced McKenzie as a starter, I mean, that place was nuts. Then Jordan goes in and doesn't do anything great right away. So now that that's not a great place to be in for a 20-year-old. So having gone through that, come through the other side, he kind of helps salvage your season for the second straight year. I just think if you're going to do that again, if you're going to bring somebody else in again, it has to be can't miss incredible college quarterback because the, the chances are you may not be able to keep Jordan Travis through that again this time. So that's that. So it's a risk reward thing. I don't think it's a hey, we owe so much to Jordan Travis. It's man, it would have to be some unbelievable quarterback to to risk that again. Um, so I think you're better off signing somebody else who who's a solid quarterback, and you know, and could help out if Jordan can't play. But I don't know that you want to bring in somebody that like a Mackenzie Milton who's already got that reputation. Thanks again for the question, James. Thanks for the uh, the tip. Uh, we certainly do appreciate it. Joining us here coming at the bottom of the hour again will be Michael Langston. We'll talk about some recruiting, but I'll plan to talk about when it comes to the football team. Uh, something that Corey and I talk about on the podcast. I kind of want to get your thoughts on Ira, although I know you'll probably take all the – you'll drop your knowledge bomb on us and, and render that entire segment pretty much uh, you know worthless. worthless. But with the, the conversation that happened this past week with the college football playoff expansion kind of being put on ice – uh, Jim Phillips has kind of been pointed as the guy that stopped this entire party. Um, you know, Corey was kind of postulating and, you know, theorizing that 
you know, Jim Phillips did give some reasons that the new ACC commission on why they want to kind of wait off on doing playoff expansion, uh, wear and tear on athletes, you know, wants to kind of assess the college football landscape, the college athletics landscape after coming out of COVID and what it did financially for so many schools. You know, Corey was saying he thinks it's mainly probably some sort of posturing bargaining to to maybe get a more equitable payout when it comes to TV money. Is that is is that something that, that could be in play, you think, with Jim Phillips going this route and trying to to stop expansion? Or uh, is that maybe pie in the sky and, and, and Corey's just hoping for some some you know cool little storyline to, to write a column about? Uh, no, I think it's I do think it's probably leverage. Uh, you know, I mean, look, the ACC doesn't have a lot of leverage. And, you know, and, and, and but this is the one thing that, you know, the maybe the SEC wants, uh, you know, college football wants big, the Big 12 probably wants, you know, they want to get in and, and, and have a better chance of making it in. And, you know, the ACC is in this situation right now. And I would say probably, uh, you know, the Pac-12 probably feels the same way that once they go to that expanded playoff, like there's no more, there's nothing else. There are no more chips to play for the ACC. Um, so I think that it, it is about leverage, but it's also it's also prudent, I think, because we don't know what's going to happen in a couple of years. So I think from that standpoint, if you look at what's happened with NIL, that is screaming for some sort of national governing body. Um, if you look at the, the way the rules are different in every state and, and it's being applied differently in all these different conferences, uh, when you look at uh, the transfer portal and in you know, kind of where we're at right now with roster sizes. I mean, all of this is kind of screaming for a governing body to kind of really centralize some power where the NCAA has kind of vacated it. And so if you feel like that's coming in the next few years, which I feel like it's got to be coming in the next few years, you hope it is, especially because it could maybe also could help figure out some of the, the financial disparities between the SEC and the Big Ten and everybody else, then why get involved in a long-term arrangement now for a playoff when you're hoping that maybe there comes uh, there's a new solution that kind of addresses a lot of these other problems in a couple of years. So I think it's that's from from my perspective would be if I'm in the ACC issues, I'm not in any rush to go do that and you know once I do it I don't have any negotiating power, but also you know it might be prudent anyway just to tap the brakes because something's got to change in terms of the governing structure of this sport, especially at the highest level. And, you know, so why lock in a new playoff plan for the future when maybe everything kind of gets blown up in a couple of years? Oh, we got several questions kind of uh, percolating through here on YouTube. Uh, we'll get to them here in a second. Uh, Ira, just did, did want to get your thoughts on some of the stuff that you're working for on the website, which is Warchant.com. It's the ultimate Semmel sports source. Uh, use the promo code Warchant30 to subscribe to the website. It gets you 30 free days to try things out. Um, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, get alerts for when we drop these videos, all the shows, Jeff Cameron show, wake up or chant seminal headlines, Tuesdays, one to three o'clock. Uh, and most importantly, hit that thumbs up. We certainly would appreciate it. What's, what's Michael Alford's life been so far. Do you think, uh, as athletics director of Florida State, has he even hit 30 days yet? What, what is it for al- athletic directors? I know when it comes to presidents, it's the first 100 days. Uh, what, what do college athletic directors try to get done? And I guess maybe their first 30 or 90 days on the job. Yeah, so Michael Alford has been in uh, in that seat, the athletic director seat now for just a couple of weeks. Uh, he started at the beginning of January, was hired last month, as everyone knows. I actually sat with, down with him on Thursday, and I'll be writing a feature that people can read on wordchant.com this week, kind of about his 
I mean, we all know the main topics. You know, they got to get the football-only facility. They want to improve Doe Campbell Stadium. They want to make other improvements. They want to invest more into to different sports. Um, but I was kind of curious about what I'm going to write about is kind of who he is as a, as a leader, as a manager, what his philosophies are, how he's going to go about making changes, what changes he wants to make in the athletics department, and kind of how he's going to lead it. Um, so that was what a lot of what we talked about when I was over there on Thursday. And uh, uh, I was I was actually in his office when Omar Graham, I don't know if you saw the picture he tweeted of uh, Omar Graham, the freshman linebacker, coming to get a cookie uh, from his office. That's uh, one of one of uh, Michael Offord's big things is he wants the, the athletes to feel like they, they can come visit him in his office. So his wife makes cookies. So he's got cookie jars uh, and some candy out. And he's uh, encouraging the student athletes in, in all the sports, not just football, to come by. So I was actually there. I, I almost took that picture, but somebody else was uh, able to take it. Um, of uh, Yeah, there you go. Of OG, Omar Graham Jr. getting uh, his cookie from Michael Alford. So that's uh, – and I, I mean, last week in the basketball game, his wife uh, made cookies for the band. So bring a little bit, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to say a homey feel because he, he's a business guy. But I do think he wants to um, – project that he's here for the long term you know and that's something we've written about that florida state's athletic director position has kind of been uh transient it's it's been tentative uh for a long time and so now you know i think he really wants to establish that he's here for the long term and that he wants to build those relationships with the coaches but also the student athletes we got a question here uh that came a little bit ago about the, the status of Ron Dugans and whether or not he's staying or leaving and it comes from Tom Mortner. I know our own Gene Williams uh, had some follow-ups on potential candidates out there. There was a report out there from another outlet on three sports that uh, Jawan Sider, I think from Penn state was uh, contacted about coming to Florida state, but he's ending, he's going to stay there in happy Valley. Uh, how much of, of what Florida state can do football wise, how much of Mike Norvell's plans now um, are, are bolstered by having a guy like Michael Alford as the athletics director. Do you think Ira? I think they are, and it's a combination of, you know, it's Michael Alford. I think it's, you know, you've got a new president. You've got a new board of trustees chairman and Peter Collins. You've got a new, several new board of trustees members. And I think you've got um, some longtime people behind the scenes who who feel like Florida State's kind of gotten through these last couple of years. I mean, once you, once, you know, Florida State was already struggling athlete, uh, financially a little bit uh, before COVID. Then you get into COVID and they kind of went into this bunker mentality of cut, cut, cut. They laid off people. They reduced salaries. They cut travel. They did everything you do in, in tough economic times. Well, now they feel like they've come out of that. Uh, you know, we're still dealing with some COVID issues, but they feel like they've come through the other side and they really want to invest. And they certainly want to invest in football. And they feel like this is a great time because Florida's going through a coaching change. Miami's going through a coaching change. So I think you're going to see more and more spending in football uh, and other sports as well. I mean, you know, Michael offered us comprehensive um, athletics kind of guy. His wife, was a volleyball coach. He's, he's got a daughter who plays college volleyball. I mean, he's interested in other sports, obviously, but football is what drives the train financially. So I think you're going to see more and more expenses put into football, which, you know, is the head football coach of your Mike Norvell. I mean, that's definitely what you want to hear. Any thoughts on Ron Dugan staying or leaving? All right, I don't want to put you on the hot seat. It's your show. Well, I mean, he was, you know, Michael can talk about it as well. I mean, he was out here. Um, he was out over the weekend at FSU when they were recruiting. Uh, they had, you know, a, a few dozen visitors, uh, a couple of dozen at least visitors uh, on Saturday, uh, 2023 prospects, and, and, and a few that were even younger than that. And, uh, you know, Coach Dugans was out there entertaining kids, talking to wide receivers. 
So um, he's still there right now. His contract that he's under, that he's been under, expires at the end of the month. So, you know, we haven't heard or we haven't been told that there's a new contract signed. Um, and as you said, there's been talk that Florida State may be looking at some other options. But, you know, we don't know for sure. He could stay. They could replace him. But we don't have anything. But as of yesterday at the Moore Athletic Center, Ron Dugans was out there recruiting, which you'd expect because his contract hasn't run out yet and they haven't hired anybody else. Uh, Eric Angel stops by the program with uh, two of his friends, Andrew Jacksons. Uh, go Knowles, basketball, that is. Beat Duke. Thanks for everything you guys do, Ira. Uh, I wish I would have stayed in Tallahassee for the game. I think, not to speak out of school here, I think I think Eric Angel's actually in Tallahassee um, maybe interviewing for a job. Hopefully his employer in Ohio is not listening to this. Uh, <laughs> Eric, we appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, this would be a, be a huge win for them. They've already won three straight. Duke's number eight in the country. Um, you know, I mean, it, again, you'd love to have Malik Osborne available. He was your second leading scorer and leading re- rebounder. And maybe he makes a miraculous recovery and can play. But if he can't, you know, you got to think that's going to be a tough ask. But the crowd will be great. And uh, they've, they've certainly proven they can beat a lot of good teams in that, in that building. Ira, let's go to Cubby Knoll. Put on your coaching hat for us, Ira. What would be your top four wide receiver rotation? I mean, definitely the kid from West Virginia, right? Winston Wright. Um, he would definitely be starting. I think you. Um, I think Pokey Wilson would be starting. Uh, I think uh, uh, is it Micah um, yeah. Micah Pittman from Oregon. I think he'd be starting. And then uh, if you went with a fourth, oh, that's a tougher one. Maybe um, maybe Darius Darian Williamson. I I just don't know right now. Like if Winston if 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 Winston Wright is a slot guy, and I think you'd rather have. Pokey Wilson is a slot guy. So I think you, you maybe your other two receivers will be well, or, or I don't know, is, is Micah a slot guy? Um, I think you want at least one more receiver with some size. And I don't know if Johnny Wilson's ready for that. Um, or maybe he is if he's, you know, I guess he did start a few games uh, last season when he was healthy. So maybe Johnny Wilson's in there. I think you want two decent sized guys uh, to go with, um, you know, Winston Wright and, uh, and Micah Pittman. What about Malik McClain, man? We we're forgetting about. Malik oh, I'm McClain. sorry. My bad. My bad. I was thinking of the other guys. 100. You're right. Yeah. No. Yeah, even yeah. Uh, I, mean, sure. I, mean, I even checked Corey on that. So, but it's it's crazy to think about. And listen, you were the, you were the first person to really kind of point this out. Um, you know, in the beginning of 2020, when the offense and the team was struggling, it was just that the offense, the, the wide receiving, the pass catchers were just not top of the conference. Uh, not really Florida State standard, and you know. We debated about it. And I would talk about well, if they had a better quarterback throwing them the ball, they would look a lot better, uh, which probably was not a fair uh, criticism in hindsight. Sorry, Jordan. I apologize. Ira, per usual, uh, was right. But it's just crazy to think about this team. I mean, you think about them lining up against not, not Duquesne, but like LSU. And if they do go three by one out there, I mean, it, they could possibly have four completely, well, not, not four total, but they could have three other four receivers out there could be transfers, like totally new guys. If Micah Pittman, Winston Wright and Johnny Wright or and Johnny Wilson are out there. Um, that's just crazy to think about how much of a difference that can make for your team. That's why the 10 win thing, I'm dangling out there for you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would think that Pokey might hold on to one of them. So maybe it's maybe it's too new and too old. Maybe it's Pokey and McLean and uh Micah and uh Winston Wright. But but it's uh yeah, I mean that, that position is dramatically improved. If the offensive line is improved, which I think it will be, I mean, I really do feel like um, 
some of the strides we saw from that offensive line last year, plus they're still going to get bigger and stronger. And with the guys they bring in, you know, now you're talking about better. And I thought Jordan threw the ball better late, you know, as the year went on. I mean, he had obviously had the big throw against Miami, but had some other throws as well down the stretch that were really nice. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the offense could be a lot better. And the defense, you still got to get probably at least one more pass rusher. Um, but everybody in the back seven is back. And as you said, I mean, the, the defensive tackle position should be really good. Yeah. All right. Well, we're approaching the uh, bottom of the hour. So we're going to talk some recruiting. It's been a busy weekend uh, as official, not official, but there's been plenty of visitors on campus uh, to check out the Florida State football program. Uh, our own Michael Langston is our, uh, our top recruiting analyst. He and Austin Cox put in lots of work, lots of hours, thankless work, yeoman's work, Ira, as they, uh, Hang out. I mean, they literally hang out in front of the Moore Center, everybody. They hang out in front of the football complex, rain, snow, or I mean, whatever the weather is. They're like the mailmen, and uh, they get all the top information on the top recruits that are on the board for Florida State. Let's go ahead and bring in our own Michael Langston. Now he'll join us here on the program. Uh, Michael, thanks for being here, man. I hope you're uh, thawed out. It's a little bit chilly in Tallahassee, man. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, it's going to get chilly uh, shortly tonight, but uh, we're good. A uh, lot of, a lot of. A lot of prospects on campus, so uh, you know, pretty big, pretty active weekend. Chris Parson, if I'm not mistaken, go, you go ahead, Ira. I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead, man. You go ahead. Well, Chris Parson, one of the the top guys on their board, a quarterback. If I'm not mistaken, he was on campus. I think I saw a story on Warchant.com. Uh, what was the vibe you got from him uh, coming to Tallahassee this weekend? I mean, it was really good. It was kind of a continuation of what I saw from AJ Duffy. You know, Jay Duffy was kind of the leader in 2022. You know, Chris wants to be that guy. Chris even said, look, I'm not taking any more visits anywhere. But this is where I'm going. I'm only visiting FSU. And that's kind of a similar take that AJ did. Um, certainly recruited a lot of guys. I think four-star wide receiver Tyler Williams was a guy that he was hard on, uh, really pushing for him to try to, to get in this class. And and certainly I think FSU has some positive momentum there. Uh, I, think, I think the big thing was just having – you want Chris around these guys as much as you can when you have big visit weekends and having Chris around and, and the fact that he's so solid to what the program's doing. I think, I think this weekend was big for Chris to recruit other guys, but it was also big for him to get to know the new quarterback coach, Tony Tokarts. Uh, I think that was a big deal for him and, and certainly they hit it off really well. So I think uh, that was really two of the main factors of, of have, why it was so important having Chris there on campus. He's a, he's an impressive kid, man. Like, I, you know, I remember asking, I asked somebody on the staff last year, uh, you know, what does Mike Norvell look for in a quarterback? And like, I, I meant size, you know, speed, athlete, you know, athletic ability. And, and the person said, the first thing, number one is intelligence. And then you listen to Chris Parson talk and you're like, okay, I get it. Uh, you know, that's, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, you've been talking to him for over a year now since I guess when, when you first started talking to me, it was probably a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe a sophomore to a junior in high school. Uh, just I, could you talk to just how sharp he is? Yeah, he he's very aware of just um, things that he has to be better on. That was the first thing I noticed with Chris. The first time I talked to him was he he would mention all the weaknesses he had that he wanted to get better. Like he really wanted to improve his passing game because his first year when he got the Ravenwood, it wasn't as sharp. Um, he really sh- uh, honed in on that. And uh, his understanding of weaknesses of what he do- doesn't do well. And then also even, th- I mean, everyone knows when you watch Chris Parson, I mean, his, his, his plays that he makes with his legs are unbelievable. I mean, he is so dynamic. Um, 
you know, and, and so he understands that, but he doesn't kind of harp on that. Like, Hey, I know I'm good. It's kind of like I'm, he's focused on the things that he doesn't do well. And so I think this kid understands that. And I think this kid understands what, um, where the vision is going Norvell. I think this is a perfect quarterback to have because he understands where this is going. He understands they're not there. He understands like, I remember after the Jacksonville state game, he was like, I'm locked in. Like, you know, you would think most guys like <laughs> that was a disaster. Like, but he's like, I understand there's going to be, you know, just uh, things they have to overcome, you know, and going through these shortcomings of, of the season. But he understands like what this is trending towards. And, and he wants to be a part of that. He wants to be a part of FSU winning ACC championships. And he understands, you know, it takes uh, there's growth process and walkthroughs of different things and, and I think uh, his understanding of that and just and, and the way he connects with players and other recruits is, is phenomenal. I think that's probably also why Mike likes him so much and the way he connects with players that are on FSU's team already. I think that's a big thing with with him and just his mentality, the way he looks at stuff. Um, both him and Duffy have that same same characteristic. And I think that's the thing that uh, really stands out about, you know, Chris is just his understanding of the game. GVO Jalen's got a question for you, Michael, but let me let me get the question from hiding your face. You know, you're the talent here with Ira. Uh, <laughs> lots of Oregon guys he's li- labeling lists like there. Trey Benson, Robbie Ashford, Latrell McCutcheon. Are they all coming? One, two of them. What do you think, Michael? I mean, if there was one coming, I would probably list Trey Benson just because that's the name I've heard the most at running back. Uh, I know uh, everyone got excited about the Micah, uh, Micah uh, Pittman, uh, you know, talk and you know his tweet and stuff but I think if there's any guy in that list I would go with Trey Benson just because that's a guy I know I think FSU is is mutually interested in I think um you know Trey's interested in them will they take him that's really the question we don't know I think they're considering a lot of options at running back I think they understand like hey we like this kid but at the same time they're not going to push and rush it they're going to make sure they get the right guy because this is an important pickup I mean when you get a running back, I mean, you lost Jay Sean Corbin, so you need a productive one running back that can really – that guys like Toa Philly and guys like Trayshawn Ward, they can feed off of and and, and, and needs to be a productive guy. Uh, obviously, with Trey, there's a lot of skill set, but, I mean, he's coming off injuries, you know, and that's a risk. So I think you have to make sure you get this right. This is the one position like I think there's other positions where you can take a chance with skill and set, but – Running back, I think you have to nail it. I mean, this is one they have to nail, so I think they're being very cautious and careful with the guy they choose. Mike, or Aslan, um, the Trey Benson guy, give you props. You were giving me some props. Uh, he's coming off a major knee injury the year before. his ACL, MCL. I think he had some other injuries, damage as well. And so Michael and I were talking about it off the air that, you know, you'd have to feel – they have they would have to feel if they, if they think he's going to come in because they need somebody to be a workhorse you know, to, to, to go along with, you know, what they've got in Trayshawn Ward and Swafili and those other guys. And you'd have to, they would have to feel very confident that he's going to be much better now than he was this past season. Cause he didn't get a ton of action this past season. And I would say maybe, you know, the connections they have in the staff, Dan Lanning, uh, who's now leaving and, you know, Kenny Dillingham getting there. Um, that's my theory is if Florida State does go after Benson, that they would have to feel really good about that second year. Um, that you pointed out last year when a lot of us were excited about um, some of these guys coming off of injuries. Uh, but well, actually, this was two years ago when Hamza and Keyshawn yeah. Helton and those guys were coming back. You wanted everybody to caution and remember that 
they're just one year back from those injuries. Um, he would, this would be his second year back, which could mean that he's back to the guy that they saw in high school that a lot of people really wanted. Yeah. But I mean, look at Jordan Wilson defying all the odds coming off like his Achilles cam Akers blew out his Achilles and he's going to play in the playoffs. It's incredible how, how quick some of these guys heal. Michael, what about Travis Dye? Though we're talking about Oregon players, Travis Dye was their their you know bell cow running back, twelve hundred yards, sixteen touchdowns. He's got to be one of the biggest names in the portal right now. I mean, how does it work with this? I mean, do we just assume that you know Norvell is so tapped into the portal that they're going to whoever's in there? We can feel pretty confident they're going to kick the tires on guys like that. And have you heard anything about Travis Dye? I checked on uh, Travis late last night just to you know because I knew he jumped in the portal. They're, uh, from what I heard, uh, FSU's evaluating. I don't think there's any push or call or communication yet. Um, but I, I I do know that, you know, obviously he's a talented player, but I have not heard that there's an FSU interest yet. I think they're kind of checking on and evaluating this, you know, go because that's the thing people don't realize, like with portal stuff. I'm like, there is a lot of background uh, behind the scenes checking on, you know, reason of why you're leaving. Um you know, what is this kid's mentality? What is he like in practice? What kind of player is he as far as when he's not getting the ball? How is he, you know, as a teammate um, to go along with the stuff of, hey, if this guy fits what we want to run and what we're doing. Um, so uh, Travis has a lot of, of nice stats, but uh, you have to see if that fits to what FSU runs. You know, just because Oregon, he did good at Oregon doesn't mean that that style is going to fit everything with FSU. But, you know, you would think yet the running back position, they're going to get a pretty solid guy. You would think with what FSU's done the last two years with Norvell that running game-wise, they should be able to attract somebody pretty solid, whether it's skill set or productivity uh, on the field. You would think uh, FSU should get somebody pretty nice. Aslan, I I was curious. What did you – I think I heard you guys talking about last week, and you sounded like maybe you're okay with where they're at running back-wise, or do you feel like they need to go get somebody? I mean – I'm so excited about the offensive line getting better and Jordan Travis developing after another year and the receiving core being, you know, bolstered that I, I don't know. I, I think like Trey Sean Ward and Lawrence Tofili are good enough. I mean, I wouldn't turn down like a Travis die wants to come like by all means, man, the door is open. Come on down. I just, I, I would go, for, I'd be cool with like another tackle, another defensive end before I would think about running back. But I mean, I, I trust your guys judging all these things and it does seem like they are prioritizing a running back. So it's an important part of their formula, I would think. Right? I, can, I, you know, I mean, I, I see your point, and I love Tofili's talent. There's no question. It's just, man, it's, it's two years now, and it still hasn't come together in terms of consistency or durability. And so now it's like, okay, is Treshawn Ward the? I, I love Treshawn Ward, um, and maybe he could be that guy if he got 20, 25 carries a game. Um, you know, I just don't. You know, it's just hard to say because you haven't seen it. You know, but he, but I'll tell you what, Treshawn, we were every practice, Treshawn Ward practices every single day. There are some guys who do not. There are some guys that, you know, get bumps and bruises and sit out or non-contact jersey or whatever. That guy is, is, he's not the biggest dude out there, but he plays every day. So why not? Why couldn't he be the featured back? So, you know, I guess you look at it like, you know, the question is, do they want somebody like another DJ Williams, who's just another solid guy that they can work in? Or do they feel like they need to get a feature back? To your point, maybe they don't need to get a feature back. Yeah, I think, too, uh, the other thing is Doe Philly's been banged up, too. So you have yeah. to worry. There's concerns about how how much you're going to have those guys. And so I think that's the uh, part of the reason of the third back, of having a third back, is 
I, I don't I think you would like to get a feature back, but I think you also want to have somebody that you can count on that that obviously we this is talked at length that Jordan Travis, you know, you don't want him running the ball as much. You want these other guys. So the more guys you have back there, the more options you have is going to take less abuse of what Jordan is when Jordan takes off running. Uh, Khalil's here, y'all. Uh, throws 20 bucks our way. Thank you, Khalil. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Khalil. How much of the receiver's success in the transfer portal, Michael, do you think has to do with Ron Dugans? Before you got here, Michael, we were talking about Ron Dugans' uh, sort of status with the with the program right now. A lot of people in the, in the comments uh, you know, love Ron for what he did as a player, but thinking that maybe grass will be greener, somebody else can come here and, and get some more talent. But uh, Khalil says, I'm okay with making a change if there is a replacement, but I'm also aware as to why it's harder to get wide receivers here recently given our quarterback play and our record since 2017. How much we, – we really haven't been talking about – we've been talking about all these great wide receivers, and we're talking about Mike Norvell killing in the portal, but we don't talk about Ron Dugans, which is kind of unfair, and it's my fault. I mean, I, I drive conversation. Yeah, it's, it's probably unfair. Um, I mean, there's – like Deuce Span, that's probably connection with Dugans because he's from St. Pete. I'm sure Dugans recruited him. I, I, from what I hear, when he was, uh, I think Span told me Dugans recruited him when he was at Miami. So there is a connection there. He has a part of that. And then, I mean, the other ones like Johnny Wilson, um, you know, Micah P uh, Pittman, those guys, yeah, he's not directly connected. But the thing is, with, as a receivers coach, you're going to be impacted into the decision of, of going after a guy. So I'm sure he's involved in those discussions. But the guy that he was directly involved with would probably be uh, Deuce Span. That would be the, the main one. I think Winston Wright was more, you know, the connections with, you know, the Deloach family and, and having familiarity with FSU. But, um, you know, I think Span was the main one. But in all honesty, Dugans is involved in all four of them. I mean, all, all the guys because – your receivers coach has to, there has to be a connection and they have to be sold on, you know, what he does. And even Micah Pittman said like, Hey, my coach told me, you know, uh, you know, that Dugans is well-respected. This is a guy that knows his stuff. He knows receiver and stuff. So I think, uh, I think all these guys have to do research and there has to be conversations with these kids to Dugans before I think even they go with the major push. I do think what happens though, like in the transfer portal and I know just because it's everything's condensed time-wise, you know, head coaches are such a bigger factor in the transfer portal than they are during the regular recruiting process. Because you know, Michael tell, can tell you guys. I mean, just between the geographical recruiting that they do, coaches that have certain areas geographically, then the position coach, the the, the assistant coaches do so much legwork during the initial recruiting process. But in the portal, you know, a kid hops in the portal, and it's a lot of times it's the head coach. Do we want him? Do we not want him? Getting him on the phone, and it's a much more condensed process. So then and that's why I think the assistant coaches kind of get left out sometimes when we talk about the portal stuff, they're part yeah, of it, yeah. but not the yeah, driving it, coach. Yeah. And the other part is too, unless there's a connection with that kid that they previously recruited him, that coach is not going to be mentioned that much because it's really about Norvell. And if he wants the guy, like that's what it comes down to. If does Norvell want this guy? And so, yeah, it, it kind of gets loosely forgotten as far as the position, but, um, I, th I think I think Dugans is involved in the discussions, I'm sure. It's like, hey, do you like this guy, Ron? Do you think he fits and everything? So I think everyone's just impacted by everything that happens at receivers. Like receivers were on campus this weekend for junior day. You know, Ron was out there. He, they talked about Ron a lot, and people were like, oh, that means he's staying. You know, it's like everyone's reacting to the news. And when it's – you know, Ron's Ron loves FSU. He's going to do – 
he's going to do his job until they tell him he isn't there or, you know, whatever happens, but um, he's going to do it. And um, certainly, uh, you know, we'll see how that materializes of who's going to be there, but um, certainly uh, you know, Ron's a major impact in any receiver they're recruiting. Michael, we appreciate the knowledge, man. What you got cooking for uh, folks over at warchant.com uh, before you head out here? I'm probably going to work on some, um, you know, more transfer stuff. I'll check on some things, see if there's some new targets that pop up. Maybe I'll do a transfer to watch type of thing, uh, you know, on the boards or something. And then, um, and then try to get started uh, hopefully this week unless things pick up with high school kids or something that uh, I'll start working on a 2023 hot board for next year. So going up next year. So that's kind of what we're working on. Um, shout out to Austin Cox. Uh, he did a great job with our updates throughout the weekend uh, at, at, with about 25 kids on campus. So it's very challenging. And certainly he helped out a lot. A lot of great features on there. The Chris Parson one, the three offensive linemen, uh, two of which that FSU now leads for. Um, I think uh, Austin did a great job with that. So that's kind of what we have coming up. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that real quick. Um, the the three offensive linemen, and uh, Aslan just brought the – the story, there's a story about the three offensive linemen that, that came in. Uh, I think they're all three-star guys right now. I know offensive line recruiting evaluations are yeah. a lot of times hard to do. What's your opinion of those guys? I mean, are they big-time guys? Are they going to be big-time guys by the time that they're seniors and you know going through the heat of the process? Yeah, I think I think the cream of the crop for that group is Roger Kearney. I think that's actually the number one guy that they want out there offensive line recruiting uh, that – that Atkins wants. I, I mean, he, they can list him as a three-star. That kid's going to be a Rivals 250 type, Rivals 100 type player, even though he's listed as a three-star. I think he's going to be a four-star talent across the board at all the different outlets. Uh, that's the guy I'm most excited about. I think he's the guy that, that Atkins has been pushing from the start, even when back to the elite camp they ran last summer, Atkins just loved him. You could tell uh, there's a connection there. Um, certainly Kearney loves FSU. I think Lucas Simmons is another one that they're very high on. Um, I think he is he is a massive kid, man. I saw this kid. He's he's legit six seven. This kid is uh, everything you look for. I think FSU is definitely um, now put themselves in in a chance to you know, make a big uh, push for this kid. Uh, I think Miami early on was the team, but now uh, as Lucas told us, like FSU is a team that really just stands out the most. Just the way they personally connected with him on all subjects. It's like all these teams talk about like, Hey, all the guys we put in the NFL. And it's like FSU was telling you what the process is to get to that point. You know? So I think, uh, I thought Lucas has had that with any other school. I think the other kids, Ian Kinsler, he said a lot of great things about FSU, but <clears throat> man, kids from Macaulay, Trinity Catholic, I'm going to say it, man, those kids <laughs> go to Florida. So it's, say, it's, we, <laughs> we've been down that road before yeah. until there's a kid that goes to Florida state, that goes to, uh, that goes to a California Catholic. I'm not going to believe it. So I think he's going to go to Florida. But uh, as I told people on our site, but they did a great job with him. But um, that that's kind of my feelings on those guys. I think all three of them are probably going to be four-star prospects. I think all, I think uh, Kearney would probably be the highest for me. I think he has the chance to be – I get boosted up in the rankings the most, in my opinion. They won't let you leave. One last one for you there, Michael. Khalil's back. Uh, will <laughs> they push for Webb out of Trinity and Jacksonville? I think they are, but I, I think he's interested in other programs, probably like Georgia or somebody else. But I haven't heard FSU mention as much. I think FSU is very interested in him, but I don't think the interest is mutual. Now, maybe he shows up on campus. They can get him on campus, and we'll see what happens. Is he a 2023 kid? Yes. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. 
Try and pull it up. Trayon Webb, that guy? That's yep. guy. Okay, there we go. Crush yeah, it. Jack- <laughs> Jacksonville's weird, man. Jacksonville's a it's kind of been a weird city for, for Florida State. I mean, they've had some g- <laughs> tremendous success, but then they've also had some guys from there go off and, and do great things at other places. So that's a, there's no guarantees in Jacksonville. Yeah, and I think a lot of that speaks to where FSU's at as a program right now. Uh, it's not as attractive. And it's a weird area because that area sometimes gets ignored. We see a lot of kids that kind of squeeze through there and you know, and, and don't get the interest. And then uh, obviously you got high-level guys like Trayon Webb, and those guys get the notice. But uh, it's weird how that area works. It's like sometimes there's connections to Florida State, and sometimes they're kind of like they want to get away. Yeah. All right, Michael. We appreciate it, man. Thank you. You got it, Thanks. buddy. Thanks, Michael. Michael Langston, recruiting lines for warchant.com, the ultimate symbol sports source. Want to ask you another question here uh, to kind of get back to the, the Dugans thing. I mean, I don't want to belabor it too much, uh, Ira, but, you know, I think I saw somebody on here. I think Ryan might have posted. I'm trying to find it here. Want to get your thoughts on this because Corey brings it up on the podcast every now and then. I'm sure you guys talk about it on Seminole Headlines, which airs live Tuesdays, 1 to 3 o'clock right here on YouTube. But, you know, your job as a receivers coach is a recruit, period. Um, I mean, it's maybe it's the anomaly. I know, like Lincoln Riley was a guy that started off as a wide receivers coach, and and I get the sort of sentiment. I don't know, like, where is your head at when it comes to these sort of things? Where when we say, "All right, you're a receivers coach or you're a running backs coach," like we we know Jay Graham wasn't you know teaching Dalvin how to do all the things that Dalvin did. It's naturally born stuff, but like it, it's not a bad thing if you try to bolster your staff with guys that are technicians at, at their. I mean, it, should that be part of the the look? That a that a head coach like Mike Norvell's doing when he's searching for a position coach is to really see just how good they are at developing talent, or does it really come down to just talent acquisition? Period. Not full stop. I mean, I think there's part of it's it's not necessarily teaching them how to be receivers because obviously if you're signing the right guys, you don't need to teach them a ton. You may need to po- help them polish their things. I think the biggest thing is with a receivers coach or a running backs coach, it's making sure the attention to detail is is on point in terms of knowing the play, knowing the assignments, showing up on time, you know, being accountable, being dependable, all those things are probably part more part of what a, a position coach those does because it is a lot about their natural talent. You know, it you know, for example, you know, if you're if you're you know in the in the heyday of Florida State, Billy Sexton, if you're signing those kinds of running backs, there's not a whole lot of coaching to be done. Uh, wide receiver, tight end, and running back. I think a lot of times those are usually your best recruiters because you're you're going out and getting guys tight end because there's not maybe necessarily um, you know I just think of like John Lilly, uh, Tim Brewster. They're guys who recruiting was their main priority um, because you know the tight end wasn't necessarily featured in those offenses. But I really think um, you know running back and wide receiver, you it's it's getting the best players, and and that's the knock on Dugans. I mean I think we. You know, we're out there. We watch practice. Ron Dugans works hard. Um, he's conscientious. I think he does all those other things you want in terms of getting the kids to to um, you know to to work hard. Uh, you don't hear a lot of trouble from that group. You know, back in the um, uh, kind of the, toward the end of Coach Bowden's tenure with Lawrence Doss, he was the wide receivers coach, and they had a couple off the field incidents. Uh, if you remember, TK student, Weatherall, student, the student union, yeah, uh, the brawl of the student enough. union. Man, if that had happened today with everybody's cell phones, that would have oh been. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but, uh, uh, but when that happened, TK Weatherall came out and made a public comment that you know our receivers coach needs to get these kids in, in order. You're not hearing a lot of that stuff with Dugan's group. I think he does a good job. 
but he just has not gotten enough really good players. Now I think it was, a, I don't know if Khalil or somebody else said, maybe that's because they've been hurt by what the offense looks like. You know, maybe that's, maybe it's too much to ask a, a really talented receiver to come to Florida state when they've, the quarterbacks they've had for the last five or six years. And that's fair. And the offensive line play, that's fair. Um, but I also think it's also fair to say, man, you, you haven't brought in elite receivers and that's the biggest part of your job. Yeah. Khalil saying, uh, you know, uh, previous guys, you know, could always be told, Hey, you're gonna have a Heisman guy throwing you the football it just hasn't right. uh, been the case here. But uh, I think most people do see the upside in Jordan Travis and, um, you know, a strong 2022 could pay a lot of dividends for getting back in the mix with those, uh, sort of elite upper echelon, uh, recruits. Uh, the last thing on that note, you know, I mean, I guess if you're Mike Norvell and if you're looking, okay, how can we get better? How can we get to that next level? And you say, okay, David Johnson, I believe in him as a recruiter. He's my recruiting coordinator. Um, I believe in, uh, you know, Alex Atkins has been a tremendous recruiter. And if I got one more stud recruiter on that offensive staff, you know, what could we be? I mean, I don't think, you know, it, I, I don't think, uh, Chris Thompson is known as an elite recruiter by any stretch. Tony Tokars is new. So maybe, you know, you're looking at saying, okay, if I can get one more elite recruiter to get some more studs, maybe that gets us to the next level. And again, I think Dugans is a good coach, good guy, great Noel, but he hasn't yet proven to be, you know, an elite recruiter. That's a really good point, man. I mean, especially with Tokars kind of being elevated to that quarterback coach job. I mean, you're, when you're an on-field guy, I mean, there's a lot of good perks with it, but you're obviously one of the guys who can do more hands-on recruiting, so it's probably imperative for them to, to really shore things up because, yeah, I mean, you know, Alex Atkins has been a home run in, in all aspects, but um, it, it would not hurt to, to get that shored up with another guy who's really dialed in with uh, talent here in the South. So we'll see how that goes and continues as we'll monitor it on warchant.com. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I'm looking at Twitter right now. I'm a 49ers fan, like a, like a, a die-easy 49ers fan IRA. Apparently they're choking things away here. No way. The Cowboys are coming back. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can't believe what's going on. I don't know what you would have picked for this um, if you were using prize picks, Ira. Uh, but if you had to go <laughs> to the well on these sort of things here, uh, what's what would have interested you? What, what, what are well, the things that we need to be looking for? Yeah, so prize picks. You, this is your first time hanging out with us for the prize picks portion. But yeah, prize picks uh, is one of our sponsors. Well, our sponsor for the show. And uh, people that have been watching, they know it's a it's a daily fantasy kind of thing where you're you're picking up and you're making picks and entries based on individual players uh, in that game. So, for example, um, tonight, you know, in the late game tonight with Kansas City and Pittsburgh, I made a couple picks, and you have to pick at least two players to either go over or under the total that they've set, okay. and uh, and it can't be two players from the same team. Um, but you could pick like you could pick one player in this game and one player uh, in tomorrow night's game. You could pick uh, one player. You could pick, you, there's NBA, there's hockey. For for our purposes, we usually go with either college football or the NFL. I did make uh, a, a selection today. Okay. I think the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to roll in this game, Aslan. Right. So I'm going with um, Mahomes under 270.5 passing because. I don't think they're going to have to throw it a ton. I think they're going to get a big. I think they're going to run it uh, down Pittsburgh's throat. So if you look at passing yards, you'll see Patrick Mahomes. It's two seventy four point five. I went under, and okay. then uh, and then I picked a running back um, uh, to pick Najee Harris to go under sixty point five in the running game. So that's that's my combination. So I need both sides to hit. 
They actually have an option where if one hits, you get your money back basically, but you win less um, okay. or you get some money back. Um, but I went all out. I made the pick. I'm taking, uh, uh, yeah, both of them under. Both because, under. Yeah, yeah. Piece of cake. Look at this. I literally have never been on this website. I've never been that's on prizepicks.com. That's Piece how easy it is. You pick them. It comes onto the right side of the screen. You choose your over. You choose your under. Iris says take the under on both those guys. And then, uh, as he says, there's yeah, a flex then, pay. You get yes. one out of the two right. I like. All right, so we're doing the power play though. You're going for it all. I'm not. I'm not doing the flex play. Let's go. I'm mad. Uh, even though I'm not very good. Tom Lang is much better at this than I am. Uh, but um, if you uh, if you want to check out PrizePicks.com, they'll match your deposit if you use the uh, promo code WarChant and uh, and use that because then they'll know that uh, sponsoring uh, you know the Sunday Smash is the way to go, which is good for us and good for you. All right, man. There we go. I'm I might have to dabble in this if, after I keep an eye on what's going on in Dallas with the the Niners. But go use that promo code WarChant uh, over on Prize Picks. Iris says Najee Harris, Patrick Mahomes going on the under. I like that defensive struggle. There's a renaissance going on in, in football now. Defenses, hopefully, maybe uh, coming back. Man, now I'm seeing what was people are saying. What was Dak thinking? So maybe the tide's turning for the Niners. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I, with the Cowboys in the playoffs, it's just what in the world happens to them? I don't. It's it's crazy. They new coach, new quarterback. It's not like it's it the doesn't same matter. I know actors. It's it's amazing. It's That's a, what I wanted. I, like I want at some point. You know, like Tony Romo to explain, like, yeah, I don't know. You know, like, or like he's so impartial. He doesn't really talk about, at least when I'm watching. You know, I'd like, I'd like some, a little bit more of a cowboy flair to his. You know, what the hell is going on with your team in the playoffs? I don't like Rex Ryan. I think Rex Ryan has no interest in getting back in coaching because Rex Ryan buries people like on every program he's on ESPN, just buries coaches and players. But you saw guys like Gruden when he was on television. Like yeah. everybody was great because he wanted to get back in the game. Matt Brown was the same Romo. way. Yeah, I don't know what Romo's end game is. Like Romo, hey man, you're you got it made in the booth. Like you just call it as it is. Like Aikman, like Aikman's great now. Like Aikman's got no, you know, illusions. All right, I think they lost. It's over. Just been tweeted. Four Niners won. Yeah, Niners won. Wow. That'll make my brother happy. That's good for the family. Uh, what can the Warchant family be expecting over on Warchant.com, the ultimate semble sports source here in the next few days? I know you talked about your sit down with Michael Alford. Yeah, but, uh, yeah that's going to be coming. a basketball game too, so we got a lot going on. Right, right. So I'm, I'm uh, going to run the Michael Alford piece a little bit later in the week and uh, because give basketball some free run here early in the week in recruiting. Um, I actually have a feature on Matthew Cleveland that's going to run on the site tomorrow, assuming I finish writing it, Aslan. We're, hope, we're holding out hope that I finish writing this feature uh, by tomorrow, but uh, but that's my plan is to run that tomorrow. I actually interviewed Matthew Cleveland. We haven't heard from him this season uh, because Leonard Hamilton is finicky with his freshman talking and hasn't let him speak to the media yet. I actually interviewed him and his dad um, before the season, and so um, and I've kind of been holding on to it, and so I'm uh, planning to run that tomorrow. He's man, Matthew Cleveland's had a really nice freshman year. He's averaging over ten points a game. Uh, over four rebounds a game. He's had some big shots, had a game, game winner, had the huge three in the uh, Miami game. Uh, it's just really turned into a really nice player. So I'm going to have that feature. It's kind of his whole, kind of how he became um, a high-profile player because he really wasn't until, you know, not late in his high school career, but he wasn't one of these prodigies when he was 12 years old. He really kind of worked at it. He's kind of self-made along with his athletic ability. And uh, so that feature is coming to Warchant.com. Awesome. Looking forward to it. And uh, the Jeff Cameron show goes one to three o'clock here on uh, Warchant TV as well as 93.3 FM. 
on your airwaves in Tallahassee. Seminal headlines, 1 to 3 o'clock on Tuesday. Florida State takes on Duke Tuesday, 9 o'clock at the Tucker Center. So it'll be a get, get a couple cups of uh, DeLuna brewing, everybody. Get ready for that one. Um, one more thing, forget. Aslan. One Go more ahead. thing. Absolutely, Ira. <laughs> your show, my friend. Tom Wartner just uh, uh, asked about the state and the NIL law. Okay. Um, I just – and I think he might have asked earlier and we, we kind of passed over it. Uh, I did do that story a couple of days ago. He, uh, the state of Florida does have two bills going through the legislature and uh, they're going to get passed. I mean, it would be shocking if they didn't. Uh, they're being pushed by rep, uh, Republican uh, represent, representatives and senators and uh, some of the language may get tweaked, but basically what they're going to try to do is get it to where Florida, state of Florida schools have the same rights as colleges across the country in terms of the coaches, the yeah, I mean, Aslan, you're the best person to speak about it. You did the RNIL deal with uh, uh, Devontae yeah. Love-Taylor. Right. And uh, that deal, when we did that deal with Devontae Love-Taylor, we couldn't go through the university. We couldn't go through the coaching staff because they have to be outside of it because of the, the Florida's NIL law. So we actually had to go directly to Devontae and set up that deal. What they want to do is have the right that a lot of other states have, which is to the coaches and the, the staff be involved in bringing those deals together which will be a lot better for the athletes and it'll help the school in terms of recruiting. So that's going to get passed. Uh, it'll get passed sometime between now and March. It'll go to the governor. He'll sign it. And, uh, you know, by July, uh, Florida will be, should be on the same level playing field, at least in terms of that with the other States. That's important. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Tom. Right. Thanks for asking Tom. Uh, folks, don't forget to get your picks in over on Prize Picks. Uh, use the promo code WarChain to get your deposit match 100%. Uh, primetime game: Steelers versus Chiefs. We got Demarcus Christmas, Derek Noddy, and Josh Kando. So we got some Knowles uh, participating, uh, dressed up, whatever adjective you want to use on that game. So go to Prize Picks, get your picks in. Ira, uh, this was fun, man. Thanks for the knowledge. Everybody says uh, thank you as well, and thanks for all the tips, everybody. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks uh, for joining us, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week and. Wake up war chant. And if you're, hey, putting the secret out, if you're up late at night, sometimes you can get that wake up war chant around midnight. You may not have to even get up early in the morning to get it. You might get the uh, the early bird special from Aslan on YouTube and uh, your podcast favorites. There you go. Stay connected to warchant.com. Plenty of recruiting news. Ira's working hard. Corey's working hard. Gene, Michael, and Austin, everybody. So uh, Jeff and Tom as well. Thanks for joining us, everybody. He's Ira. I'm Aslan. Have a great one.